Hey, this is Nick Gelso, founder and co-owner of CLNS Radio, and today I'm joined by Ty Ray with a brief but important message. Nick, we try to keep our programming free at CLNS Radio. We have a ton of great podcasts, but we need our listeners and readers' help. We need them to take a survey for us. Yes, that is how we will continue to bring you free content via paid sponsorships from the big boys, the big companies, and we need your help. So when you get a moment, go to beatsandeats.net backslash survey one. Takes only minutes, but every minute is extremely important to the family here at CLNS Radio. We've become a community. You have all been a very big part of that. So please, beatsandeats.net slash survey one. Choose CLNS Radio as your option and take the short demographic listener's survey. Now enjoy your regularly scheduled program. Legends are made in the NFL, and the quest for the Lombardi Trophy continues. Brady moving and looking and has time, and his throws, and that is caught for a touchdown. Intercepted by Wilford. Vince Wilford with a game changer. You're listening to Patriots Beat. Oh, second down and six. Brady. Right here on CLNSRadio.com. Well, welcome to Patriots Beat. No Jeff with us this week. Uh, his son had a minor accident. He's doing fine, but he's unavailable. So joining me as co-host today will be um, another great writer for CLNS Radio. That is Mr. Scott Baines, and we'll be talking to him in just a moment. A lot of great topics coming up today. We'll also have a guest a little later on, um, the one and only Antoine Staley. Uh, Antoine writes for a multitude of sources and is the lead writer on the AFC East. So we're going to be talking a little bit about the AFC East. Let me bring in my – oh, by the way, I'm Bob Snowden, and I'll be the host for today's show. Let me bring in my co-host, Scott Who's uh, who's listening in and and joining us from Canada? Hey Scott, how did you ever become a Patriots fan way up in Canada? Hey Bob, yeah, uh, I I became a, a Patriots fan uh, just just because w- whenever I watched uh, NFL football, uh, my parents they they only had the feed coming in from Boston, so really by default. But now, of course, I, I just enjoy them in general. <laughs> I, I became a Patriots fan because up in Canada, well, you, you you only get one one feed. Yeah. Well, well, before before there was before job. there was. Pardon? I said you've done a great job. I know you do a lot of research, and obviously follow the team closely. And and your wife really enjoys it. Oh yes, yes she does. Yeah. Uh, well, you, you read her article there that was uh, last weekend, I believe. And I was, passed uh, it on, and anyone listening in who did not read it needs to go to clnsradio.com uh, and look under, um, I guess, Patriots, under the magazine column, the NFL and Patriots, and keep searching, and somewhere in there you will see Scott's column written by his wife about what it's like to be the wife of a Patriots fan, and it's a great column. Now, did she actually write that, or did you? No, she wrote it. Uh, that's why it's so well written. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she, hey, well, it's all, it's all the truth. I'm, I'm, I'm a very lucky man, Bob. Well, 
she's very patient, but any of us that are diehard Patriots fans uh, know what it's like, and, and our spouse or significant other or whatever the case may be has to put up with a lot uh, during football season. And fortunately, in my case, my wife loves football too. Uh, in fact, she gets more passionate than I do during the games. I try and be a little analytical while I'm watching the games. Uh, she has been known to scream at the top of the lo- her lungs, he's not even crying, which makes no <laughs> sense to me. I have a little trouble with that comment, but she gets a little personal during the game. Now, does your wife do that? Oh, yes, yes. She uh, she gets she gets quite excited. Uh, but you know what? She's She likes this because now she has the summer off to enjoy what she likes to do and doesn't have to listen to me talk about it all the time because I have... <laughs> I have different outlets now. <laughs> well, and I and I know you do, although you may have more time now free, but you write almost every week at least one or two columns on the Patriots, and it's kind of an exciting time. I know this is considered the, quote, dead time uh, for the NFL, but it's leading up to what will be, I think, in a great training camp for the Patriots. Uh, that's going to be opening in about two and a half weeks. It'll actually, uh, uh, the public will be uh, uh, it's open to the public and it's on Thursday, July 24th uh, the players are scheduled to report on July 23rd and it includes uh, practice on each of the first four days the 24th, uh, 25th, 26th and 27th and then that Sunday on the 27th uh, on Patriots Beat was scheduled to have Mike Reese as, as a guest on the show so I'm really looking forward to that some of the things we're going to do in today's show, Scott, is is talk about a few of the rookies. Um, and Mike Reese had written some column, a column about it this morning. He's on vacation, but I'm going to steal from him as we do every Sunday and use some of his quotes. And and as we look at the the, the rookies that are out there, um, there's there's probably about three that really kind of jump out at you. Uh, and then you've got some undrafted free agents who have a shot too. So let me start by talking a little bit about Brian Stork. We've talked about him a lot on the show, and I know that Jeff was huge uh, for him in his corner before the season, uh, the draft occurred. He was one of those players. He was raving about the fourth-round pick, 105th overall. Now, he initially drew the pass interest, because of the combination of, of things that he has going for him, his smarts, his toughness, and his size. He's 6'3", 315 pounds. A few weeks ago when Alex uh, was on the show, and Alex is running our board today, and I thank you, Alex, um, but he had seen more of Stork than I had, and he questioned his feet, whether he had that mobility with his feet or not. But... Uh, you know, I, I still think, as does Mike Reese, he has the potential to be a, a starter for the Patriots this year. At one point in practice, in fact, uh, Reese wrote that Stork didn't snap the ball when quarterback Brady called for it, and, and he ended up taking a penalty lap, uh, which is what Belichick does when you screw up, and every rookie screws up at some point. Now, you know, that can be looked at two ways. No one wants to be sent on the lap. However... The fact that he was in position taking snaps from Brady uh, is a key sign that that he may very well be ready to step into that role or close to step into the role 
Uh, he also has played a little left guard during the, the OTAs and the mini camp. So he'll be real inter- interesting to see. He's a viable competitor for the starting center job in training camp. Yeah, and also with uh, with him too, Bob, uh, there's uh, John John Jalapio, uh, who was drafted from uh, the University of Florida. There, him, him, and Stork both have a have a legitimate chance of of making making the team uh, and and doing and producing something good this year. Um, Jalapio, he, uh, you know, he has he has that that toughness and that size, and he's even been been compared to to Logan Mankins once again compared to by uh, from from Mike Reese, uh, who's pretty much the bible of Patriots news. <laughs> But uh, he he also he, he played a lot of right right guard in college. I think uh, I think he started all all of last year's year's games at, at right guard. And the the Patriots are trying to, to use him more uh, potentially w- with a, a flexible position on uh, on the team. It, it'll be well, interesting if, to see. If Belichick really likes those players that that can play multi positions, the more you can play different positions the better your shot, especially as a rookie uh, on this team. So I, I agree. I, he's the sixth-round pick out of the University of Florida, and, and I have seen him compared not only by Reese but by others to Logan Mankins, not necessarily in the skill, but in the fact that his toughness and that he can play through pain. I had written an article, which I want to say it was about three weeks ago, on, on Logan Mankins and, and made the comment there that, you know, when he's out there, he chews on fingers and spits out nails. That's the type of player you want on your line, both offensive and defense. And if Jalapio uh, can, can fill that role and be, you know, half the player that, that – Mankins has been, we'd, we'd be happy in, in Patriots land. I want to talk a little bit about the running back. Um, and this is another guy we've talked a lot about here on Patriots Beat. And I know, again, our, our normal host, Jeff uh, Kane, raved about this kid and really is excited about him, not only as a running back, but the fact that he can catch the ball. And, you know, a lot of people have compared him to Shane Vereen and that type of back, uh, therefore allowing the team to, to go to that, that pony set where you've got two backs, both capable of catching the ball and both capable of running the ball, that really makes it tough on the defense. Um, he has looked smooth and, and running pass routes and shown pretty good hands, so don't, uh, don't underestimate the pop- possibility that he could help the Patriots quickly. Yeah, yeah, and who who do you think, uh, Bob? Just just out of wondering, there's there's so many so many uh, people people to choose players to choose from right now at running back, right? Uh, you know, you, you hear you hear great things about Finch, and you know, you, you know, Vereen and Ridley are in that contract year, and and there's a there's a group a group full of players here that that want to make this team. Um, I, I I think Brandon Bolden has has shown what he can do. And I think that that's one spot that's going to be available on uh, on the roster. Um, I, I I could see Finch taking over for Bolden. Uh, you know, he has that he has that explosive play. I'm not sure if you've ever seen any of his uh, highlight reels on on YouTube, but 
uh, man, he's, he, what, what he lacks in size, he, he makes up for in, in explosive play. And, well, and uh, he reminds people of Danny Woodhead, who was one of the favorites when he was with the Patriots and when he was let go, which really is literally what happened at the end of last, uh, the season before last. Um, many Pats fans were really unhappy because they felt he was a key component. So it would be nice if Finch can step in that role. Uh, Jeff Howe of the Herald had a nice article about him and uh, used the comment, put the ball in his hands, wind him up, and watch him scoot through would-be tacklers. That's a little dramatic, but hey, hey it's, it's, it's nice. <laughs> well, I, it, it compares him to Danny Woodhead. Yeah, and I, I, had, I had thought the same thing. I, I read that article, and... I I hadn't heard a lot about Finch, and I, I was surprised that that he uh, for someone who's so explosive he he wasn't drafted. But but doing a little bit of research, I, I found out that he was used he was used uh, sparingly at at Oklahoma. Um, and you know I I see that the Patriots have also drafted they they drafted James White as well. I think I think White is more of a of a, of a Ridley style running back, and and Finch is. Is an excellent uh, option if if Vereen gets hurt. Uh, do you do you see see Finch? I think Finch will will likely land to begin the season. I want to say on the practice squad. I, and I agree with you. I, I and I do think, as you said, that Brandon Bolden um, is the the on the bubble player. Um, you know, a decent backup, uh, a player that hasn't really hurt you, but he's also not a player that that does very much to stand out when he's in the game. He's, he's a nice plug-in player. Uh, and, and liking him to any of the other running backs, I think it has to be. Uh, in fact, he, someone just uh, tweeted and corrected me that actually with, uh, Bolt, or with uh, Danny Woodhead, that he really wasn't let go. Uh, Patriots added a third year on the offer trying to keep him, but they didn't put up a real fight to keep him because at that time they were working with some other players, and Ridley and Vereen were major factors, and they had signed uh, Amendola. So they did try and keep him, but I, I wouldn't say that they made a huge effort to keep him on the roster. So I stand corrected. They didn't just let him go. But uh, but he obviously was not a key component, or they would have found a way to keep him, and, and they didn't. Now, I understand our guest is on the line, um, Antoine Staley. Uh, anyone that follows uh, tweets or Twitters, hopefully you're following Antoine. He's the uh, reporter for Pro Player Insider. He writes and contributes uh, to Yawkey Way report, uh, and, and does it, he writes about everything. Antoine is, is knowledgeable about it, about almost every sport, and, and he and I commiserate with each other, uh, this year since I write Red Sox columns and he writes Red Sox columns. So we, we have many times discussed the desperate state of the Red Sox this year. We won't talk about that on the program today. Um, but let's welcome in Antoine Staley. Uh, Antoine, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing fine, Bob. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for coming on as our guest. And I, I noticed this morning you just released a column, which is, is great timing, on the coaches uh, in the ASC. And you 
started with the statement that Bill Belichick is the best, but what about the other coaches? Uh, and it was an interesting article. Tell me a little bit about what triggered you writing that article. Well, uh, well, actually, uh, my editor wanted me to write a column because I covered the AFC East, so he wanted me to write a column about that. So, you know, I got to work on that this morning, watching a little tennis. And, you know, it, it was pretty, you know, of course, the first two were pretty easy with Belichick and everything he's done. I don't need to necessarily go through the resume. I mean, if you watch football, you know what he's done and know how great he's been. So, And then Rex Ryan, he's been, you know, he has had, you know, he hasn't made the playoffs recently, but. He's more. He's much more accomplished than the other two coaches in Philbin and the Barone. So you know, it was pretty. It's pretty easy to put together. But at the same time, you know, I just wanted to make sure you know clarify my points and reasoning why the order was what it was. Well, and I know Antoine. I know you covered the Dolphins pretty closely, even though you write for the entire AFC East. Yeah. But that you went to their uh, their mini camp and and watched the team a little bit. First of all, let me ask you a name you just mentioned. Is Philbin on the hot seat this year after all the issues they had last year? Yeah, I would say so because they have a new general manager in Dennis Hickey. They went out. Remember last year they went out and bought, you know signed all these players, Mike Wallace included, Danell Ellaby, Philip Willer. And, you know, they were looking, they're trying to win now. They're trying to win as soon as possible. I mean, things happened last year, but at the same time, you know, they're trying, you know, they, they change general managers, but they're trying to win now. And you know, I know, I know he and Philbin went through a lot last year, but, you know, the time is now, eight and eight, you know, you have to make the playoffs. That's really where it boils down to. So, yes, I would say he's definitely on the hot seat. Were, were you surprised that he wasn't let go in the wash, the aftermath? Of, of all the histrionics that went on down there? No, no, I'm not. I mean, because, you know, it was a whole different situation. I think that's how he handled the whole Martin and Incognito situation pretty well. He kept the locker room together. You know, most locker rooms would have probably, you know, might have won like five games after all the turmoil that they had. But, you know, they were, they kept playing. They kept plugging away. And, you know, they kept, you know, they were, they were competitive, you know, until the end, really, until – they really dropped the last two games. So, no, I think they're going to give him another chance. Two years wasn't long enough. I mean, you got to give a guy two years to try to put his program together and get his people in there. So, I think, you know, I think I was not surprised he got fired. He didn't get fired. Well, I, in fact, I, along with most fans, I think were a little surprised, not necessarily Miami fans, but football fans, especially in the AFC East, were surprised when the Dolphins did bounce back uh, right after the, the the incidents were headline news everywhere in the world and actually had a legitimate shot would have been in the playoffs if they could have won their last two games uh and and unfortunately at that point uh, everything caught up with them and they didn't but they they had a legitimate shot of going into the playoffs last year despite all the turmoil hey let me ask you what about the offensive line i know that's been a big issue with miami Tannehill's going to get Tannehill's going to get killed back there at quarterback if it continues the way it was. <laughs> they, they, they've got some good young players. Do you think this offensive line will gel early this year? Well, it's, it's going to be interesting. Mike Pouncey is out. He has he has some, he has surgery and he's going to be out. He's going to be out until, at least until October. So he's going to miss probably like four games. He'll probably be back after the bye week for the Dolphins, maybe. You know, so we'll we'll see we'll see how that works out and stays out. But that's that's going to be the big thing. He's the best he's the best offensive lineman they have. So I don't know how quickly it's going to be able to jail. You're going to have all five new starters on the offensive line, including Brandon Albert, who they brought over from Kansas City. 
and Duran James, who they drafted from the University of Tennessee. So they're going to have they're going to have some young guys. They got some veterans on the offensive line who never played together. It's going to be very interesting, especially going up against the New England Patriots. And you know, you know, y'all. I mean, y'all know better than anybody how Bill Belichick likes to maneuver and work and build game plans. So it's going to be interesting to see how they're able to hold up the Patriots defensive line, which I think has improved, especially you know, considering the changes they've made. So I'm really interested to see how they deal coming along with training camp coming up in the preseason games and ultimately September 7th against the New England Patriots. Well, I, I mentioned last week on the show that one of my concerns in that first game, and I, I know you and I went back and forth a little bit uh, discussing this, is the heat in Miami and how much impact it'll have. The yeah. rookies... You know, in that first half, if the rookies can gel and, and give Tannehill any protection, by the second half, I've got to feel as much as I agree with you that the Patriots have improved dramatically on on being able to put a pass rush together. Uh, that heat wears you down, and that could help Miami. If the game's close at halftime, uh, I would not be shocked to see Miami stay in the game right until the end. Would you? No, no, no. I think it's going to be a very close game. I think, you know, no matter what happens, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to come down to the last few possessions because, for one, for some reason, the Patriots always have problems down here in Miami. So, yep. I mean, I don't know what it is. Tom Brady necessarily doesn't have the best track record here. So, I think that that alone is the reason why I think they're going to, um, they're going to be in to, to the end. So, I imagine it's going to be a really good game, and, you know, the heat is going to have a lot to do with it, especially about 90 degrees. They kick off or probably hot on the field, probably close to 100 down there on the field. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny because we always, every year when you look at the schedule, we really look at that schedule based on when they're at home, when they're on the road, and you wonder every year, at least I do, why they would schedule the first game in Miami instead of that one in New England, and then the later game in Miami when the weather's terrible up in New England, but it never seems to work out that way, so we'll see. It's good for the division, Bob. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, either, either way, the Dolphins are probably going to have to play a cold weather game in December anyway because between the Bills and the Jets and the Patriots, I mean, you got to go on the road sometime in December. So, you know, it's yeah. kind of like one of those things, you know, you just kind of have to suck it up and deal with. Now, I mentioned Tannehill earlier. Provided he gets some protection, is this going to be his breakout year? Are you, how impressed are you with him? I, I like some people are taking some criticism with him. They, they, like I said, they're not necessarily sold he's the guy. I think he is. I think he's definitely, obviously, I mean, I know it's not, it's not saying much. He's the best quarterback they've had since Moreno left. And, you know, I think that I really think that he, you know, he like I said, he turned the ball over a few times last year. But take into account, he played in every single game. He started every single game. Even despite him taking 58 sacks last year, I think that's really you know that's commendable because most quarterbacks would have got killed with that line last yeah. year. So I think, like I said, you see an upward trend with him. You know, he threw, like I said, he had over 20 touchdowns, over 3,000 yards last year. The turnovers need to be kept down a little bit, which I think they will. You know, considering the offensive line, I think has improved, especially when Pouncey comes back, it'll be that much better. But you know, you want to see. I think you'll probably see a guy that's probably close to 30 touchdowns and maybe about 15 interceptions or so, which is this is what you want. You want that two-to-one ratio. Yeah, I was just going to say, if you're going to hit so that two-to-one ratio. I think you can ratio. see that, that kind of number as we go into 2014 for Ryan Tannehill. 
Now, where, if you looked at the Dolphins overall right now, and I know it's too early to really gauge until they go into a training camp and have the uniforms on, but where would you look at them as you've seen them so far and say, here's where I believe right now they have improved the most? Uh, well, yeah, I saw them down there at the mini camp and everything. I like, I think the thing I really like is what all other than the offensive line, especially when, you know, because it can't be that much worse. I, I like, I really like the receivers. I like the receiver core that they have. They're really deep at receiver. They drafted Jarvis Landry from LSU, and they already have a stable offensive, I mean, wide receiver core. Mike Wallace, who I know my people are critical. He dropped some passes last year. They also have Brian Hartline, who's really reliable. A good reliable receiver they have, and also Brandon Gibson, who was really a big receiver for him before he got hurt in the Patriot game last year in New England. So they got those three guys. You add in a Jarvis Landry, who's in many cases he was just catching everything that came to him. And if you watch any college football last year, I mean, he was just this reliable receiver you you can find in college football. He's not very fast, but he can, he has very sure hands. So. Anytime you get it, you add another weapon to the offense. I think that really helps out Tannehill and the rest of the offense. So, would you think that the the biggest strength of the team this year is going to be their offense or their defense or something, some specific area of either? I think the biggest strength is their defensive line because I mean I know Deion Jordan will be out for the first four games, but and he that was the number three draft pick, but he wasn't even the starter. You have Cam Wake, who a lot of people consider, who including myself, is one of the best defensive linemen in the game, and you also have Olivier Vernon, who's very underrated. He had 11 and a half sacks last year. Nobody really, you know, under knows that or really take notice of that because you have Cam Wake on the other side. And you have, you know, Derek Godrick also already starts there as well. They have a very deep, and they also added Earl Mitchell from the Houston Texans, who's a good run stopper. So it's something the Dolphins need to improve on their run defense last year, which I think he will help with that. So I think that adding those guys, adding him, and along with the guys they already have, makes that defensive line that much stronger. And I think one of the better defensive lines in all of football. Are you looking at the other side of the coin? The OL is the offensive line. Is that still the weakest until they prove themselves? Or what would you feel the area of vulnerability is for Miami? I think that's that's one of them, obviously, because one you lose Pouncey, he's not he's the Pro Bowl center you have, and he's not going to be there for like the first four games of the season. So I think that's their weak link until they prove it on the field. But other 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 I mean weaknesses as far as like people can look at the running back position. They signed Noshawn Moreno, like he was he came into camp out of shape, had a little bit of a gut when I saw him. And, you know, he he really didn't get played. He didn't get a lot of playing time. He ended up, he finally come to find out he ended up having an injury. He's going to be out a little bit. He should be back by the time, you know, the second or third preseason game. So we'll see what happens with him. And, you know, the, sec- the secondary a little bit has been a weak point as well. Uh, I know they have Brett Grimes there who made the Pro Bowl, but they signed Cortland Finnegan. We'll have to see how he plays and coming up. And they have a lot of young guys, Will Davis. DeMar Taylor, who they drafted last year, we don't know not necessarily how they're going to play. So those are kind of the the weaknesses I would see with the team. But I think the cornerback position could be improved. And I also think depending on how Lamar Miller does with, you know, helping out Noshawn Moreno, assuming he's healthy, I think that could be an improvement as well. How do you – Antoine, sorry, sorry to interrupt there, Bob. How, how how do you feel about uh, the new the new offense coordinator, Bill Bill Azor, uh coming in from 
from uh, Philadelphia. I've I've read, only read uh, a few things about it, but but one of the things was his his uh, influence from from Chip Kelly. Um, do you feel yeah, that? Uh, well, I saw the offense in camp, and it was it was much different than what it was last year. You see, you see a lot of fast tempo. It, you remind, it's reminiscent of what the Eagles ran last year. A lot of short passes, a lot of fast tempo. You know, trying to get the ball out, trying to help Tannehill a lot better, more than Mike Sherman did last year, when Tannehill would take like six or seven, you know, steps back and really, you know, hold on to the ball too long. So I felt like that was really the the weakness of the offense last year. This year, Will Lazor understands they have a young offensive line and they get the ball out quickly. They're going to get the ball out the running backs, receivers, you know, tight ends, anybody they can. So I really think that is, you know, they, you can just you can just see that. As far as like in the mini camps, the difference in the offense compared to last year. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to watch for sure. It's uh, uh, it, it'll be it'll be some something different compared to like you said the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, I was wondering uh, if if you wanted to talk a little bit about the Jets now. Sure, I uh, talk about oh anything you want. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the the Jets, you know. Of course, another year, another another quarterback controversy. Um, when when you thought that uh, Geno Smith would be would be the starter heading into 2014, they they go and sign uh, Michael Vick. What's what's your thoughts on on who's going to be the starting quarterback in 2014? Yeah, Geno, who you know was a little erratic, like most rookies. I mean, sometimes he looked he he looked really good at times, or he looked really really bad at times. So that that's the whole thing with that. We have to see how much he's improved over the all season. Michael Vick, you kind of know what he is. He's gonna if he went healthy, he can give you. He'll probably, he gives the Jets the best chance to win. But the problem is, can he stay healthy? I mean, I would say Vick will probably win the starting job. But again, can he stay healthy? And and how much has Dino improved? So, and my money is on Michael Vick right now. But that's just because we know what he is and the experience that he's had in the league, and he's won games in the NFL. So that's probably who I would go with right now. But you never know. You know, things can happen in camp, injury, anything like that. So, But, yeah, I would probably put my money on Michael Vick at the moment. And then as as far as the the, the running game is concerned, you know, it, it, would, you, would you consider Chris Chris Johnson uh, an upgrade? And, and how much of an impact do you think he's going to have offensively? I think it's a compliment to him and Chris Ivey. I think Chris Ivey is more like a pounder, you know, run between the tackles guy. Yeah, Chris Johnson more changes pace type running back. So I think that really helps their running game out. Chris Ivey was solid. I just think that he would, you know, you don't have a whole lot of weapons on your offense that people are going to key on to your best, you know, thing that you do. And that was really the best thing that they did is run the football. So I think if you have him and Chris Johnson together, I think they're really that's really a good compliment. They can help out whoever is the quarterback of that team. And uh, for for me, for me, the biggest question about about the Jets moving forward is is their secondary. Now, yeah. you know, Camardi uh, uh, less, and uh, they, I'm not sure who who they have that that can step up. Maybe maybe D, D. Milner. Uh, yeah, D. Milner is the guy. Yeah, he's the guy they drafted last year. Yeah. Do you do you see him having a, a breakout season? He struggled his first year, but a lot of corners do in this league. Revis did as well. I'm not comparing him and the deep Revis, obviously, but he struggled kind of his first year too. Cornerback is really a trend, one of those positions you can tr- you struggle with because you have to get adjusted to the NFL speed. 
I, I mean, I like like I say, we'll have to see how well he well he adjusts. I like their pick. They also um, picked the guy from Louisville, Calvin Pryor, who from Louisville, who's a very hard hard hitting safety. A lot of people remind say he he's reminisce. It reminds people of Bob, a bigger Bob Sanders. So if he's anything like Bob Sanders, then that's definitely an upgrade for the secondary, which really struggled last year. So, but I really do like Pryor coming out of Louisville. So I think that, that him alone, and I think another year with Milner. You know, his second year really that should improve the defensive defensive backs. Yeah, um, they also they they went out and they got Eric Decker from from the Broncos. Yeah, uh, you know he's uh, is he is he the number one receiver on this team? I think so. Because <laughs> they don't have much of anything else. That I mean, they went and got a tight end Jason Mono from Texas Tech, who I thought. You know, New England might target as well because I know their their fascination with tight ends. But if the Jets went and got them, I think they'll really help as well. But yeah, I think Ed Decker is definitely winning the number one guy. Considering the Jets don't have a whole lot of weapons offensively, so. Let me ask you real quick: Do you think their offense this year has stepped it up enough? Because last year, let's face it, they were terrible on offense. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely were. They they finished last. That's the last in points. That's the last in passing yards. So, yeah, I mean, you can't be much worse or any worse than that, pretty much. So, yeah, I think they'll be fine if they do do improve. The thing is, like I said, they have an outstanding defense, but they won eight games behind it. But can they can that offense win them games and win enough to get them to ten and six and possibly a wild card spot? I think they could. But it's just you know we're gonna have to see how that whole team, the whole gang of new players, really mesh together. How about uh, Antoine? The, the offensive line. Uh, do you think? Do you think that this is going to help help Vic in his uh, first season with having uh, Nick Mangold and and Debrick, the Ferguson uh, uh, protecting him? Yeah, I think so. I think it's better than, the, than what the, he had in the Eagles doing some of his um, later years because they they had a really erratic offensive line. You got two guys, two staples of the offensive line, Nick Mangold. And the break there, you know, comparing the tackle position, I think that's really something that you know, either the quarterback, and I think that really that really will help Michael Vick out a little bit. Yeah, it was it was surprising because Vick Vick when he was in uh, Philadelphia, you know, it, it seemed like he he couldn't get set in the pocket, and then I thought, well, maybe it's the the offensive line that that's giving him giving him a hard time. But then uh, you saw Nick Foles step in, and uh, he played he played so well. Um, yeah, I think I think that's one that's one key for Vic's success is he needs right. that time he needs and I think I think they might be able to be able to provide him that with with their offense. Absolutely. Line. Who uh, the offensive line might be a strength, but as far as as far as the greatest weakness on this team, where do you where do you see that? Uh, really, uh, probably wide receiver depth, and because you you know other than Decker, you really don't have any you know really don't have any playmaker, and we've seen. If you watched the Super Bowl last year, which I know I know y'all did, uh, the Seahawks really took Eric Decker out the game pretty much. So if you have a good defense that's able to key on Decker, that might you know you, you can shut him down and you're gonna force you have to force two of Vic or Geno Smith to make plays. And we they turned past today. They perplexed to make turn up to turn the ball over. So I think that's really even if you added an Eric Decker, you need to add other weapons. You need to still address, you know, have other people step up on that offense. And, and to this point, we haven't seen that other with the Jets. So I think that would probably be the weak spot for me. 
if you looked at the team, Rex Ryan really has the support of the players, uh, especially at oh, the yeah. end of last year when it was rumored that he was probably going to be given the boot. Um, we talked about Philbin being on the, the hot seat. Is Ryan on the hot seat this year? Yeah, I think he kind of always is, especially in New York where, you know, they want, they want you know, playoff appearances and, you know, Super Bowls and things like that. So I think he always is. But I think he's the one that he can always handle that. You know, he's always like – he likes to take all of the blame and he doesn't have to put anything on his players, and his players love that. They, like I say, he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily call anybody out. He wants all of the blame and everything like that. You know, and players love playing for him. I, I would love if I, you know, I'm, you know, any. I think any football fan almost would love to have a coach like him. Not, not saying you know if you have Bill Belichick and anything like that, but I think most people would love to play for for a coach like that. Well, and we talked about the collapse of Miami. The Jets did the same. They were they were legitimately in the hunt um, until the collapse at the end of the year. So that's two of the AFC East teams that. Yeah were playing better than I think anyone thought they would, especially the Jets. I'll, I'll be honest with you. At the beginning of the year, when I looked at the Jets and tried to do it with a, an unbiased New England Patriots viewpoint, uh, <laughs> I said, you know, this team's going to be lucky to win three games all year. And I thought that would be a stretch, uh, especially after their preseason, because they were – I mean, you couldn't be any worse than they were in the preseason. Um, yet they were in the hunt again, until they collapsed. And, uh, you know, their quarterback was a key part of that, Geno Smith. And, and as you mentioned earlier in the conversation, um, Smith is either going to have to step it up and prove he's the quarterback of the future, or they may need to go searching again, because Vic certainly isn't the long-term answer. No, no, no. But, yeah, I agree with you that, you know, they definitely – you know, like I said, they had points in the season where they thought, you know, they take the win make the playoffs, but it just didn't happen. So, yeah, they they definitely have all the parts there. Ryan gets the most out of his players, really. He gets the most out. Of, like I said, I even wrote that in the article. I was like, he, I don't know if too many other coaches in the league get the most out of their players more than Russ Ryan does. So I think that's really, you know, commendable of him, and it shows how much his players like playing for. Let's go on to the Bills. There's a team that's, you know, the, the, the owner passed away. The team is in flux as far as ownership goes. Um, they went through some some major changes in the off season. They've got a young quarterback, Emmanuel. Have they improved enough to at least be a winner this year? Do you think? Uh, well, what, what are we talking about winner, like talking about division or playoff? No, no, I mean, I'm talking about playing the I don't know because we don't know what EJ Manuel is. I mean, that's really the big thing. They, the parts around him improve. Defense is really good. And they had a top ten defense last year. I mean, losing Alonzo to an ACL really hurts, but I still think they have other people like Kyle Williams, Mario Williams, Marcel Darius. You know, they really helped us. But you know, I think that you know. That they, you know, they definitely have defense and have the parts around them, but it's just a matter of, you know, can EJ, who is EJ Mayo? How good is he going to be? If you're just tuning in, folks, you're listening to Patriots Beat on CLNS Radio, and our our guest is the the knowledgeable, informative. Your head's going to swell now, right? Antoine Staley, uh, <laughs> and Antoine covers the AFC East, so. So he's the guy we're going to count on to tell us about the other teams, and we're talking about the the Bills right now, and it's hard to 
look at them as a, a contender in any way, uh, shape, or form. Again, I, at best, if they're a 500 team, that's a big step up for them. Now, last year they really struggled in pass protection. Uh, yeah. And, and running protection. I mean, they uh, C.J. Spiller had a very average year. Uh, yeah. Frank Jackson, they they couldn't open the holes. So, you know, they, they on offense, even if Manuel is great, there is still somewhat limited on what they're going to be able to do. And and then you turn to the other side of the coin on defense, they couldn't stop a running game. Hell, I could be running against them. Uh, yeah, that was a weak, that was their strong. That was a weak point. Like Pat, like I say, they could set the quarterback, you know, but stopping the run, yeah, they couldn't. They they couldn't stop anything. <laughs> well, and they've they, you know they've added Brandon Spikes, who yeah. is great at stopping the run. I'm I'm not sure he's a three down linebacker, but he certainly shows that he can stop the run. And outside linebacker Keith Rivers to kind of solidify that run defense. But then they lost Kiki Alonso. And, you know, is is there any area that you see them as being strong this year? Uh, well, I mean, as far as the deep, I like the front seven, you know, I think especially with, if Alonso was definitely in there, I would say the front seven is really, really good. It's just, you know, like you alluded to, they, they didn't stop, they couldn't stop the run, but, I think it's a lot of part of because they have a lot of guys that can rush the passer really well. And, you know, you ask somebody like a Brandon Spice in there who they were, they were going to shift the outside linebacker. Now they're probably going to put him back inside because of the loss of Alonzo. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that exactly. But I feel like the deep, I feel like the pass rushing defense because they have, they have a lot of really great pass rushes there. And I, like I said, I saw them against Miami and I was just telling somebody the other day, they just made the, I know the Dolphins had a bad offensive line, but they just kind of just made those guys look like they were high school, like a high school offensive line. Like they were just tossing them around and everything. But if I had to pick a strong point for them, it'd probably be that the front four and probably, the, you know, the, the fact that they can rush the passer. Well, and, and obviously we'll go to the other side and what we just mentioned, and the weaknesses, being able to stop the run because you're right in, in that they do get the pass rush. But no one's going to pass against them if they've got the same defense that they had last year, as yeah. far as stopping the run. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the thing. Like they have to show that they can, you know, stop the run. And, and I remember again against the Patriots specifically. I mean, they they ran. You know, they did everything they did. Blunt was all, like just out of control again. <laughs> I mean, Blunt was like the world. So, yeah, they have it to just, show that they. And so teams, they're going to be able to stop the run or at least be an average run-stopping defense. Well, and, and the question I would ask, does, do you lay some of that back on the coach and the head coach? I mean, they they just seemed unprepared uh, as yeah. they went into those last few games especially. Yeah, yeah you have a young coach at Doug Marone, and this is his first rodeo, so you have to have, you know, you kind of have to, you know, lay it on him. But, it, you know, the good thing they did it in the offseason, they hired Jim Schwartz to be their defensive coordinator, who has been a head coach in the game. So not only do you have a guy that's been a head coach in the game, but he also, you know, is a really good with front lines and, you know, a good defensive coordinator. He's shown that in the past. So I think it's kind of like you get, you gain two things in one, you know, one specific signing. So I think that was a good addition for the Buffalo Bills. That might be the best addition they made in the offseason. Well, the also, one thing, and, and we'll go on to the Patriots, but the one thing that sticks out in my mind is as you were playing them, 
they tried, especially at the beginning of the year, to use a hurry-up offense. And, yeah. and that killed them because then their defense was on the field so darn much uh, because yeah. they couldn't put points on the board with a hurry-up offense. So it'll be interesting to see if they continue to try and go down that hurry-up offense uh, role if their defense is as bad. Because to me, that was their killer, not only that they – they couldn't stop the run, but the fact that they tried to use a hurry-up offense and didn't have the players to do it. I agree. I agree. All right, let's go. Let's go to what everybody is almost are waiting for. Because I've had a lot of tweets from New York fans uh, while we've been talking, <laughs> talking about the Jets. But let's let's go to the Patriots, um, and I'm going to hit you with the big one first. Is Tom Brady capable of leading this year's team to another Super Bowl, or as we've seen people suggest recently? Uh, is he now just another quarterback? <laughs> he, he's very capable. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll put it like this. Look at the supporting cast around him last year. Like, the thing about Tom Brady is, and I could, I, like I said, I know when he was younger, he was able to do this. Like, now he, he needs more of a supporting cast to help him. Like, and like back then when he was winning Super Bowls, I mean, you have to take into account, that defense was outstanding. So, and I'm not saying that, you know, they didn't win it. You know, Tom Brady didn't have a part in that. But I'm saying that he was more able to he, – he needed. He didn't have to have the weapons that he needs to have now. Now, I'm not saying he needs to have, like, a Randy Moss or Welsh Welker, but he definitely – look at the weapons they had last year. I mean, it was a whole lot there to be desirable, but yet they won 12 games. So, I still – and they got the AFC Championship. But yeah, I still think he's a guy that can lead, lead him to a Super Bowl. I really do. I don't think he's past his prime. I think he's still just as good as he used to be. I just think that the parts around him have changed, and he had to get used to some of the wide receivers, and you know, they the players around him just wasn't very good, to be honest with you. Their 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 biggest issue, the Patriots' biggest issue over the last five five seasons, at least I would say, is their secondary. If they would have had uh, uh, you know, a, a secondary like like they potentially do now. I think I think you would have seen seen uh, another championship. I think I think they've come to realize that it's it's nice to have those offensive numbers that Brady did put up early in his early um, in the last couple of seasons. But yeah. you know, the, the the defense is what they lacked. In. I agree. I agree. And I think we have the additional Revis and Browner. And you know you have Ryan there as well. I think and McCourty still there. I think they're going to be much improved secondary. Obviously, you have, anytime you have Revis on the secondary, that that proves it just instantly right there. They were 18th against the pass last year. They were 20 the 21st, I believe, in total defense. And they that would definitely improve as well. And Browner, like I say, they they're different. Him and Browner are different receivers. Revis is more of a fast guy. He is physical, but he can play a lot of different. You know, covers he can play the zone as he showed at Tampa Bay. He can play man to man. You know, he's versatile in that sense. I think Browner for that sense. You know, he is versatile as well, but he's versatile in a different way where he can cover both tight ends and receivers. So we're all pretty excited. Um, although I see some past fans that are still worried about that defense because of the additions, because of players getting healthy again. I mean, Gerard Mayo. Uh, he is obviously a key to that team. Uh, you've got Vince Wilfork back, although I felt I saw some slippage in Wilfork before he got injured. So, uh, and, 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 but they've also added a couple of other guys uh, that we don't talk about. Them. One is James Anderson, who I really like 
He led the Cubs, uh, the uh, Bears in tackles last year. Uh, he's very athletic, and I think he's going to be a big addition and will help the development of Jamie Collins uh, mm-hmm. in that linebacker and give them a lot more athleticism uh, in, in not just the quarterback position but in the linebacker position to be able to attack more than they have in the past. Uh, I don't know that that uh, easily will be ready to do much this year, but ultimately he could be a factor too. I'm just not counting on him. You're in Florida. Florida. You've probably seen more of Easley than, than I have or anyone else. What was your opinion of him yeah. during, during college, his college years? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a gator, if people don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I saw a lot of him. He, he's a freak of nature. Like, he, had he not got hurt, like the fact that the Patriots got him what it did, I mean, it's a steal. Like it's just because he got hurt. But he's a freak of nature. Like he, he can dominate a game and also in any kind of offensive line. Man, like he was, he was a man of boys in college. And I think once he gets healthy, and I think he's in the right place too because you got somebody he can learn from him and go forward. And you know, Belichick is going to maximize his talent and get the most out of him. I think it's scary for everybody else. Like they don't need him this year. Like they need, they could use him in the next in the next few seasons to come. So I, I think he's going to be a really, really great player. You know, once he gets 100 percent healthy, it may not, it may not be this year, but down the road, 2015, 2016, and people better really watch out because he's going to be he's going to wreak havoc on the division. <laughs> Let me ask you, the, the one position that I have harped on this offseason that really worries me uh, is tight end. And we mentioned that yeah. a little while ago. It, you know, if Gronkowski is back, they're fine with one good, solid pass catching and great blocker as a tight end, and then they're backup players. But can they survive another injury to him and offensively be effective enough? To, to go to a Super Bowl without Gronkowski? Yeah, do I think they can go to one? Uh, I don't know, but I will say this. The, the AFC is not necessarily very strong. I, I mean, you have Denver, who's the favorite, but you really don't have a lot of people there, I mean, other than those two. So it's really, it's really a big thing there. So it, I think they do need them. Yeah, well, you, you know, you, you take you take a look at uh... – uh, the AFC East division. I think. I think between Tannehill, Smith, and Manuel, I think they have uh, a, a combined starts of I think only 60, 60 games with no playoff yeah. appearance. Right. I think. Uh, I think the Patriots will will definitely get a will definitely get a chance to win the division. Right. There's, I, I, I think that's. That's on on everybody's mind, and then once you get into the postseason, from there you, you never know what's going to happen. You can you can take a look at last year. I wasn't I wasn't high on on the 2013 team, but uh, geez, did they ever perform? And now and now the way they look now, it's it's only better from here. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I agree 100. percent Well, Tuan, we really appreciate you joining us today. Now I'm going to repeat a little. Uh, a little bit about your your bio here again. Anyone that follows football, uh, not just the AFC East, because I know you you have opinions and you express them 
they're not locked into a division. Many times they're controversial, uh, but you talk about almost everything on your tweets, uh, tennis, World Cup. I know you were talking about tennis earlier today when I was yeah. following you. And you can be followed, anyone on Twitter that would like to follow you can follow you at Black Red Sox Fan. Um, and also, I noticed you, you've got a, uh, a .com site, blackredsoxfan.com. So I want to make sure people are familiar with that as you get ready to sign off. And now that you've told us all there is to know about the AL East, and we'll, or our ALC East, and we'll talk about that again a little bit later uh, during the <laughs> season, once the season gets underway. Any last thoughts you have, Antoine? Oh, I just want to thank y'all for having me on. You know, it's really appreciated. You know, and I hope people, you know, didn't think I was too bad or, you know, too biased or anything like that. So I just want to, you know, thank everybody for listening and, you know, hope they enjoyed and learned something. Well, yeah, we thank you, everyone. Great, great right, job. You, you obviously, I didn't think you came across as, as biased at all. You, you gave us a good breakdown of your thoughts on each of the teams, and, and I think we all pretty much agreed on the direction you went. So thanks again for being with us. We look forward to having you again in the future, Antoine. Thanks so much. All right. Y'all take it easy. Bye-bye now. Let's, let's go, uh, Scott. I know you every week questions. Yeah. And, and hopefully you're prepared because I'm going to throw this one at you. What have you got for Twitter <laughs> questions this week? Uh, just give me a minute there, Bob. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll bring one up here for you. While he's doing that, wants, again, wants, those that are listening in, this is CLNS Radio. Um, we actively ask your support. Uh, make sure you go to the site. It's a free site. Uh, we are working to make it better and better. Nick Kelso, Sean Baki, uh, my friend who normally is my, my co-partner and, and actually the lead host on this show, uh, Jeff, uh, is, is Jeff Kane, are all part of a real growing site. So we ask you to to keep in touch with CLNS Radio for all sports. Um, it's it's a wide variety uh, of some very good writers, including Scott. Now I'll throw it back to you, Scott. Okay, what's your question? Yeah, um, at any sports fan, eleven oh six. His uh, his question was uh, predicting predicting the Patriots' record for this year, and uh, what how many how many wins and how many losses do you think they're going to get, Bob? Well, it's so hard to do this early in this until they have training camp because you really don't know what the roster is going to be. You may you may be able to take a a swing at it, and I know some of our writers have and looked at what they consider the 53-man roster. But who's going to be a wide receiver? Is Gronkowski going to be healthy? There's still just too many questions. I took a stab at it a while ago, looked at the schedule, and said 12 and four. Uh, would be a reasonable expectation. Uh, I, I see them winning the AFC East, but 12-4 and four is kind of where I put it, which is where they finished last year. Yeah, it seems like it seems like that's that's usually the number going in each year. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'd, I'd have to agree with you. 12-4, uh, and four, maybe 13-3, maybe. That's my uh I could my see thought. that. Again, yeah. if Gronk is healthy, I could see that. If the defense well, is healthy. I can see that. Speaking of uh, the the tight end situation, um, I, I've I've been reading just a few of the comments on on Twitter, and 
on Facebook, and 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 people have been have been talking a lot about uh, James James Devlin and his his role potentially as uh, that other tight end. Everyone's trying to grasp at straws for another tight end on the yeah. team. And uh, I just want to know your thoughts, Bob. I know I know you you uh, you follow that position quite closely. Well, you know, again, I don't think he's the answer to anything. He's a plug-in. In fact, he played tight end a few times last year. Evidently, he's got better hands than I thought he had based on some of the comments that I'm seeing. But yeah, he's not the answer at tight end. It, it all lays <laughs> on Gronk. I mean, I I like Devlin. I think he'll make the team. I think he is a really good blocker. I think that there's a position for the fullback, which is his, his true position, uh, on this team, but I'm not too sure he's any answer to anything at tight end. I, I would have, I'd have to agree with you. It's all hopeful optimism at this point. And uh, as far as another question goes... Um, Uh, at B Drew seven eight four, he he sent me a question about uh, the Patriots' offense and if we're going to see more uh, screens and uh, play action passes, and relying more on uh, the defense to win the games this year. I you know. I do think we'll see more screen passes, don't you? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I think uh, I know. I know Jeff always <laughs> rants and raves about <laughs> the Josh McDaniels' offense, and I guess yeah, I'll play. I I guess I'll, I'll plug Jeff's ideas here, <laughs> and uh, that the Josh McDaniels offense—it's it, not—it's not centered around around the tight end so much as as Bill O'Brien's was. I'll I'll, I'll agree with my colleague there. Um, I think I think that with the addition of all these new new running backs, I think uh, you know pass catching is important in the Patriots' backfield. Um, you know, you take a look at the success that that. Kevin Falk had before, and then you take a look at the success that Dan, the mentioned Danny Woodhead has before, and with with Vereen last year, um, I think I think you're going to see a lot of that. And as always, the screens, you know, uh, of course Welker before, and then Edelman last year, and uh, I, I I definitely see that. I see I see a heavier need to rely on on the defense this year. Well, with that, believe it or not. Scott, we're down to our last minute. Any last thoughts uh, quickly from you? It was fun. Uh, I enjoyed doing it. I hope uh, everything's okay with Jeff. And uh, if, if ever need be, I'm, I'm always around, man. <laughs> well, we, we really appreciate it. You did a great job. Um, and, and it was really nice to have you as a, as a co-host today and help me struggle through the waters. And I want to thank again Alex, uh, who's back oh, on yeah, the board. Yeah. And, sending me little messages telling me I'm, I'm running out of time quickly. So, Alex, again, my, my thanks to you. He's down in North Carolina. You're up in Canada. I'm in Florida, and we're talking New England Patriots football. So, <laughs> hey, hopefully everyone has a great day. Jeff, Jeff should be back next week. Uh, we look forward to that. Don't forget we've got some guests coming up uh, the week after next. We're going to have um, – bump, bump, bump. I can't believe I, I threw a mind gap here. Uh, shoot. Ah, uh, shoot. I'll think of it later and tweet it out. And then after that, it's going to be Mike Reese. want to thank everybody for listening in today and, and really do appreciate Antoine Staley coming on as our guest. We enjoyed it. He really had a lot of great insight. Make sure you follow him. 
make sure you follow Scott at the Baines one two three um, and and read his articles along with CLNS Radio uh, and all the great articles that are there to be read on all sports uh, and Jeff Kane hits up. Scott, thanks again for being with us. Have a great day, everybody, and a great week, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Internet Sports Talk Radio, CLNS Radio.